Welcome to the Community Safety Podcast with Jim Nixon alongside St. Ives Chambers, RHE Global and Barden Co-Recruitment in partnership with District 4. This podcast will explore how we can transform our communities in the 21st century. Today, the Community Safety Podcast turns its attention to domestic abuse. And what this interview tells you is anybody can be affected by this horrific crime. Please take a listen to a snippet of today's interview. And I just couldn't not get involved and do whatever little I can or can't do to help shift this. It's been, it's been going on too long. We're carrying on work that's been going on for decades. And it's not getting any better. It's actually getting worse. The police have let us down. Governments let us down. The criminal justice system lets us down. But we're not going to get anywhere just by being angry at each other, is how I see it. It's now time. This is the Community Safety Podcast Podcast. with Jim Nixon. Welcome to the Community Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Nixon, and I've been working in community safety for over 25 years. This podcast will explore how we can transform communities and save lives in the 21st century. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest as Samantha Beckinsale. Samantha is an English actor best known for her performance as firefighter Kate Stevens in ITV's series drama, London's Burning, which ran from 1986 to 2002. She started her acting career with the TV series Agatha Christie's Poirot, The Adventure of Johnny Waverley in 1989. She's also known for playing Leslie in the sitcom Shelley from 1989 to 1992. Sam, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the Community Safety Podcast today. Thank you for having me, Jim. I'm, um, I think it's a fantastic podcast and, and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, just, just, just to let people know, we've had a few technical issues, me and Sam, <laughs> over the last couple of days. And we've been sort of toing and froing, but we've got there. We've worked it out together. Teamwork. And I was trying to blame Sam, and she was going, I'm sure it's your end, I'm sure it's your end. And it was. It was my fault. So I'm going to take full responsibility for that, Sam. <laughs> okay. I do apologise, but thank you so much for coming on again today um, and giving me another slot. So thank you for that. You are welcome. Sam, I always start off the podcast starting off with just looking at the guest and looking at their early life and a little bit about them growing up and you can tell us as much or as little as you want and we'll take it from there so over to Sam well um all growing up right well I've lived all sorts of places all around the country um a lot of my time um certainly teenage years was spent um in the Midlands Nottinghamshire where my family on both sides are, are based and um, that's part of why I became pa- um, became patron of uh, Broxtow Women's Project is because it's my hometown where I grew up uh, but I've lived on farms, I've lived all over the place, um, done all sorts and been up to everything but I think people may mainly know me for um, my acting roles particularly in London's Burning many, many moons ago. Um, 
a program which actually wouldn't be able to be made now. <laughs> um, <laughs> health and safety and all of that. Um, yeah. But that was fantastic. It, 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 that was a community in itself. Quite often, jobs can be in in the acting and entertainment industry. Each job can be its own little community for a certain amount of time, and then you move on to the next one. Um, but I did other things as well. But that's the one that probably people remember me for the most. Yeah, that was an absolute overnight success. That I mean, I, I loved it myself. You know, it was a brilliant show, and um, it was the early nineties, if I remember rightly, wasn't it? I can. And, uh, I can actually still. My squad was uh, squad squad four ninety. So when you uh, really? yeah yeah. So when when you joined as an actor, you were sent off for training with firefighters. Yeah, you did that, the actual proper fire training, didn't yes. you? Yes. Is that yeah. right? Or was yeah. yeah. I mean, Gosh. not not to the extent that that right. you know, in the sense of I didn't do the paperwork and and I didn't learn all the um, probably all the important stuff really, but certainly the physical <laughs> stuff. Oh, I was sent, you know, yeah. I sent up the towels, I sent through the concrete pipes. We all did it, you know. Gosh. Um, Oh, I, exhaust. I mean, like proper physically exhausting. And I can remember um, the instructor. I'd gone through. I was going through the the, the the concrete pipe where you know you've got to squeeze through. And I'd gone in wrong, and my shoulders had got in the way. And I was like, I've got to get out. Got to. Go. He came out, and he stood there, and he looked at me. He said, "You don't have to go in again if you don't want." I am. <laughs> I'm going through. So I went in, you know, with one arm above my head and sort of learned how to do it properly. But yeah, about two weeks, we were all sent on the training. Um, and Gosh. London Fire Brigade were, were incredible, the fire chief then. Um, like I say, it was a different different time. Um, and we, of course, we filmed in a, in a live fire station, you know. Um, the bells went, we'd have to stop filming and stuff like that. Oh really? Which which fire station did you film? At? Um, it was in South London, um, right. near Jamaica Road, where the studio was and everything. Uh, but Kath Rogers was actually the female firefighter before me, and in the very original film. I mean, it was very. Um, I suppose it was quite sort of political in its day. It became something else later on. Uh, but certainly yeah. when it started, it was quite a hard-hitting drama, you know. And we would, yeah, yeah. we would, when we were, we went all sorts of places and everywhere. Um, the night shoots were always good fun, but they were they 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 yeah. were hard work as well. But not hard work as in hard hard work. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean that that program was 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 watched by millions of people so i suspect you know somebody you know relatively unknown then gets sort of cast into this brilliant program and then all of a sudden you're recognized in the streets how did you find that um it was a bit shocking i mean yes it's it's you know you're sort of like slogging away at your career and then you're lucky enough to be cast in something that then goes on every sunday night to get sort of 18 19 million viewers you know, um, and it's it's hard, I think, for people to understand that level of, of viewing figures because once, you know, once we've got all the different channels, nobody quite achieves that now. Um, but it was... Well, that, that was... that. Hmm? 
that sort of viewing figures was sort of comparable with, say, your EastEnders on Christmas Day, 18, 19 million. Yeah, so every that just week. shows the magnitude of yeah. it, doesn't it, really? Yeah, when they, because um, they, they came at, there was a, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a, um, a point where um, they decided that they weren't going to make any more. So they put on um, repeats from the beginning, and they were the repeats were getting fifteen million, and they were like, "Oh right, okay, really? we can carry. We'll, let's let's carry on making it. It's obviously popular." And the the beauty of it was, it was on Sunday night, nine o'clock, prime time. Whole family could watch it. There was all sorts. Yeah. There was something in there for everybody. It was shot on film. Um, you know, yeah, every was, week yeah, there that. was a there was a shout. You know, that was. They were serious technical explosions and goodness knows what, you know. Um, so it's like a little mini film that we were shooting each week, literally like a feature film. Well, it would be a feature film now, now and a bit long or whatever. Now, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, it was fantastic. It will always, always be very, very, very close to my heart. I bet. What a great memory to sort of have and to be involved in such an amazing project. You know, like you say, it was it was just, you know, prime time, sort of everybody. And at the time, I presume, we were probably, we hadn't, like you say, we hadn't got that many channels. Had We probably got, what, four channels yeah. or five channels back then. So, you know, it was, everybody was kind of watching the same sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, brilliant, great memories. Yeah, it was us and Darling Buds um, of May. Darling Buds of May, yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, Dar that was another massive hit, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so it was a bit but, of a competition um, no, I'd, I'd, to see who'd who'd yeah. who'd pipped who Look, each week between them. London's burning for me. And I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you, but I did <laughs> genuinely love the programme, you know, and I think all my, looking back, I think all my family did as well. I can remember us all sitting around watching watching that as well. So, um, well, brilliant. And did you do did you do much acting after that, Sam? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did comedies, I did dramas, I did I did all sorts of things, and that was that was a bit. That's what I wanted to do was I wanted to have a go at lots of different things and try things out for myself, and yeah, carried on for years. I mean, not at you know, um, not at the level in the sense of viewing figures, achieving the same viewing figures and stuff like that, but. I did um, shows for the likes of Alan Bleasdale and uh, so just some really, really interesting stuff. And and also with going back to what you said before about the fame thing, it was a shock to the system. Um, but you know, I handled it up. You know, it was absolutely fine. You just you just adapt. But there were things like um, there are little things that people sort of don't don't think of of um so i was stood on the tube platform one day and this bloke literally came flying towards me running at me arms waving and sort of went and, and grabbed me now of course my natural instinct was that he was about to throw me on the lines and he wasn't yeah. he was just he just wanted to tell me how much he enjoyed the program but of course I, when you're I'm just an actor. You don't. I'm just a normal human being. You don't walk around going, "Oh, everybody's going to come up and say, I'm, you know, that's what they're all doing." Yeah. You, I literally, all I saw was a was a great lump of a man hurtling towards me. Um. So of course, I was I was just like, "What are you doing?" 
you know, and he was hugely apologetic, bless him, but it it was like, oh, you know, so there were, there were a few moments like that where it was, it was a bit hairy. I interviewed, I don't know if you remember the programme, uh, Benefit Street, White D, do you remember yes. the programme? I don't know if you, yeah, well, I interviewed D on this programme because she's a big anti-knife, anti-violence mm. kind of campaigner. And she, um, obviously not an actor or anything like that, but what she was talking about was the fame and how, like you are saying, she became like public property. Mm. And she would get like hundreds of people knocking on her door every day. And the one day she'd left the window open at the front of the house and this guy literally climbed through the window and she's like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I just want to say hello. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and this is the point you're trying to make. You know, People think you are public property, but actually you're just a human being and they forget that you're just playing a role. Well, there is that, but there is also the thing we're in. We're in people's homes. We are in people's homes yeah. every day. So there, there is that. There is that connection. I do. I watch programs, and I think you know. I've done it myself. It's one of my absolute classics of of uh, with Rowan Atkinson was walking through the studios one day, and um, it's like walking towards me. I see this chap, and I see if I go oh, hello. How are you? And so I just like, you know, tapped him on the arm and stuff. And he looked at me like I'd fallen from up because I'd never met him. But so yeah. it can, it, it's it's just when somebody's on your screen in your own sitting room day after day or night or week after week or whatever. Um, That's that's what happens. You feel that, you know, some somebody, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, so I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, people are probably wondering why why is Sam Beckinsale on the Community Safety Podcast? We're talking about acting now. We're talking about London's burning and your career, which is great and one amazing career. But there is a reason why I've asked you to come on today. And obviously one of the subjects that I'm really, really passionate about to sort of get awareness out there is, is the subject of domestic abuse um, and, you know, the... The, the you know the issues and the draw you know the, the the trauma that that causes so obviously over to you but I just wondered if you would share some of your experiences with me in terms of you know what you went through and and how it's affected you absolutely and um, thank you for asking me on because the other thing is is it's it's a difficult subject for people to listen to and it can sound a little bit like we're all beating the same drum and it can, you know, okay, here we go again. Um, but part of why I'm doing what I'm doing and um, I say I've become a patron of Broxtow Women's Project, a grassroots organisation who are the only, um, actually the only white ribbon accredited um, organisation. And that's really important to me because White Ribbon is about men um, standing up to it. And it's not its not that it's men have to do that, it's men have to, are the only ones responsible. But if we all, as a community and as a society, um, decide maybe this is something we don't want for few, future generations, it's going to take all of us um, yes. to do it. Um, so that was another reason why I was um, deeply honoured to become their patron and um, why they just seemed the perfect fit for me and me for them, you know. 
Um, but part of the reason why I'm talking about it, well, the main reason I'm talking about it, really, is I never thought it would happen to me. And not because of, I'm, I'm off the telly or anything like that, but because um, I bought into the myths that there are around it. Um, so, for instance, yes, domestic abuse is gendered in the sense that it predominantly happens to women and is predominantly perpetrated by men. But actually it happens to anybody. And this idea, um, which again, I, I, you know, that's, that's what I had in my mind of, you look at somebody um, and we need to move away from, from seeing it as just some sort of big hairy bloke on a Friday night coming home from the pub. Um, and that's for male victims as well. So I've found out mm. recently that, um, which is the whole point, it can happen to anybody because the Absolutely. violence, actually the direct, what I call the direct physical violence, uh, there's a huge thing that happens before that even you even get to that and you can have cases where there's been what I I call um violences but they're not necessarily physical and it's why they call it domestic abuse now to separate it out but the coercive and controlling behavior and everything goes on throughout you can you can have somebody who's done that throughout for years and years and years and the only actual violence direct physical violence that they employ is when they murder somebody yeah. Um, but it actually only takes, I found out the other day, I found this extraordinary. Um, I mean, the quote is, it only takes to strangle a woman, but I should imagine it's just pretty much strangle anybody, only takes the same amount of strength as it does to open a can of Coke. Um, and when you realise, when you hear facts like that, and they are facts, um, you realise can be perpetrated by anybody and it can happen to anybody. Um, yeah, of course. But there are things that I feel really strongly that we have a responsibility for as a society. Um, you know, we don't like thinking that somebody's even capable of doing something like this. It's shocking. You know, it's like with Jimmy Savile, you know, he's telling everybody all the time. There was a Netflix documentary where he was absolutely brilliant at this, this documentary, chilling to the bone, because he was telling people what they were doing, sat on the sofa on morning TV, and we were laughing because our brains aren't... It's really difficult for us to compute that anybody would actually do that. Um, but they are a, a, a particular sector in our society and it's getting worse, not better. Um, yeah. And from a community point of view, we can, we can say the patternings, the predictability, um, because they're patterned and because they're predictable, that means we can prevent. And going forwards, we can't keep just looking to the police. They, um, that's when you're in crisis for a start. And um, 
so much happens before then, but also we're not set up yet. We got the law in 2015, but half our police forces haven't even had training yet. None of them had training until um, very recently with the Safe Lives DA Matters. That's Home Office um, organised, approved. So everybody's got the same consistent training around it. So you've got people who are reporting to the police for a crime that they don't ha they haven't had any input on. They, d they don't know what they're looking for in terms of evidence. They don't know how to present the evidence. They don't know how to gather the evidence. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a bit of a moment that comes when you understand that they are patterned. And it's that education. If we can educate our young, but all of us, um, I mean, they will morph, you know, um, because it's a need that's that's in them. Uh, but it's not due to any outside forces. It's not due to drunk, uh, drugs or drink or the World Cup. Like, so, for instance, in terms of the being able to predict, police forces around the country know as the World Cup comes up, the domestic abuse figures are going to go through the roof. Yeah, correct. Now, the, the frustration for them, as well as for, for the people that it's going to happen to, um, the police don't get it right. They haven't got it right. But we can't continually blame them. They, there are higher levels. You know, government has to properly get on board. Um and it's about the understanding. And if I can do anything to help anybody understand um, and therefore recognise a red flag, we talk about red flags, we talk about narcissism, we talk about love bombing, we talk about coercive and controlling behaviour. Well, I don't know what, I, you know, It's these are quite new words. What do they actually mean? What do they look like? You know? Yeah, I was just going to pick up on that with you, actually, Sam. You mentioned earlier, you know, but you never felt that you would become a victim. And I just wondered if you could just pick up on, you know, some of the, some of those sort of uh, behaviour traits that you experienced and if you could sort of, let, you know, explain what happened to you. So there are pattern behaviours that people who perpetrators engage in that so whatever I might have experienced I could have a conversation with somebody on the other side of the world and they will have experienced the same thing with a complete with a different person and in different language and everything the detail around it can be a little it can be different but they're what they call I call the oh my god moments so if you go on any forum or if you uh, look at anything, say, from Women's Aid, any of the information um, from any either grassroots um, organisations, and there will be one in your area, um, and they're, they're, they are, these are organisations that we don't know exist. We just think of Women's Aid and Refuge and things like that, but there are grassroots organisations everywhere and they're phenomenal. Um, and when, if you go, if you speak to them, 
if you feel like your partner, the person who says that they love you, should not make you feel completely destroyed on a regular basis. And it's the patterning. The patterning is absolutely key. So we can all have a row. We can all be in a bad mood. We can all do those things. Um, but invariably, when that happens, um, you know, you upset somebody, however innocently or whatever, that person says that they're upset by what you've done. Um, and you either uh, discuss it and, and, and come to a compromise or you realise that you've done something and then and go, oh my God, and say you're sorry. That's the other thing that they don't do. They never, ever apologise. And if they do apologise, it's I'm sorry, but. So there's no self-responsibility. There's, n there's no empathy for anybody else. They are also known to be cruel to animals. Um, so even if they're not hitting you and it's the level of threat that is involved and that doesn't mean somebody's standing over you with a kitchen knife all the time it's implied it, it, the brain can be trained and if anybody wants to look up the techniques the same techniques that are used by perpetrators are the same ones that were discovered in um asia being used in prisoner of war camps in, in, in Asia and stuff. And I think it was a chap called Biederman. It's a CIA, uh, he, he put it, it's psychological torture. So it's, we use these phrases all the time, bad cop, good cop, you know, um, using something that somebody loves or another person. Um, so, for instance, if it's if it's if they if they're slagging off your your family, your parents, um, to the to the degree where you're then not you can't go and see them. That's a, that's where it goes into abuse. It's not somebody telling a mother-in-law joke and sort of like going, "God, I don't like your mum," you know. It's it's when it gets to the extent where you're isolated. Um, And they, they block avenues for you to have an autonomous life. And what that does to the human brain, we adapt. We adapt. We, you go into survival mode. Um, people always say, oh, you know, why? Well, she could just leave. Why don't they just leave? Um, that's where the financial and economic abuse comes in and, and uh, Nick, um, surviving economic abuse um, are a fantastic organisation. They're working with banks um because if you we've got, there'll be somebody that it's happening to now who will be running to homelessness um who no longer has a penny to their name you know people don't choose to make themselves hope them and their kids homeless they don't you know it's a relationship there's a reason for that and i feel like we're we can look down the wrong end of the telescope sometimes and what perpetrators do one of the big things that they do they like to keep people looking on the sm in the small detail and worrying about the small detail and that's precisely so that you can't see the bigger picture um so 
if somebody is 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 you know you know that they're going to complain or be aggressive or and um, there is passive aggression as well actually and uh, i think there's that can be a little bit of a misnomer the passive element because it is really aggressive silent treatment is a, is is aggression um but again it's the patterning it's when it's patterned it's when it's consistent it's when somebody somebody else's autonomy is overridden on such a regular basis that they almost can't function anymore one of the other things that i believe really strongly in is the power of language part of my job was and i personally struggle with victim victim survivor um because I feel a word that that explains what happens is target. You are targeted. These people target others. They they um, they're very good at it. They're very um, astute. They're intelligent. They're not stupid, and they know exactly what they're doing. It's conscious. It's a conscious choice. It's planned. It isn't a case of, you know, bad sex gone wrong. It isn't a case of, I just lost it, so I slit her throat or stabbed her. Um, Jane Monkton Smith, Professor Jane Monkton Smith and Warwick University, um, has done this and created this incredible tool um, to help. It has gone out to every uh, force in the UK and CPS as well uh, and judges need to read it too um, called the um, eight stages to homicide and the point of this is that there is a tool where you can when you read it and you go oh my god it's all based on academic research and it's been put together so you could turn around and say oh he's a six Obviously, eight is murder. Um, but there are so many of these killings where it's absolutely shown that, they, that they're planned. They are planned. But the ones that are actually also being recognised now are the suicides, the in driving and inducing suicides. And they're, they're even more than the, the direct physical killings. And I just couldn't not get involved and do whatever little I can or can't do to help shift this. It's been it's been going on too long. We're carrying on work that's been going on for decades, and it's not getting any better. It's actually getting worse. You know, when you've got only something like nine or ten percent of cases going to charge, let alone conviction. You've got yeah. one, the, the, the rape charge cases are dropping. It went from 1.6% to 1.3%. You know, and <clears throat> there is a slight element sometimes with, um, sort of, because the police have let us down, governments let us down, the criminal justice system lets us down but we're not going to get anywhere just by 
being angry at each other is how I see it. So it may feel a bit like dancing with the devil, but it's how can we all work together? Because there are good police in there. So the I know that the, what, the, what the Met and some other forces are doing are getting rid of perpetrators that are within the force already. It, it attracts people who want to control, yeah. who are into power. Um, so they're sorting out their own houses, you know? And that's groups joining up, grassroots joining up as well, and everybody joining together and as a community and as a society and saying, actually, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. I think it's the it's only really way it's going to end. There. I think you're right, Sam, and I, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. We uh, had a, a guy come on a couple of weeks ago, Graham Golden, and he's talking about sort of... Um, sort of bystander work and again comes into this sort of we all play a part you know if we're going to reduce violence if we're going to reduce all sorts of crime we've all got to play our part it can't just be and I think we're in this culture now it's all you know everybody else's problem but mine and if you look at certain things in society um from when probably we were kids like you know people used to quite quite regularly drink drive and it was very acceptable people didn't use seat belts in cars mm. because it was acceptable um, but I do think now that there is there is more of a stigma to those kind of um, disciplines. You know, if you don't put your seatbelt on in a car, you know, people wouldn't be too impressed. People drink driving. I, I know it still goes on, but I think there is much more of a stigma attached to it. And I think if more society played their active part, because I do believe that, you know, people do have an inkling that their mate might be, you know, a perpetrator. And, and, and doing some wrong towards their partner. Uh, and again, I want to make the point that it isn't just males. Um, you know, I think sometimes we've got to have the courage to challenge. And it, I think it comes back to what you said, just, you know, we've all got to play a part in this because if we don't, it's really sad to say, and you've already picked up on this, but it's getting worse and it isn't getting better. And you think of all the strategies and all the things that everybody's pulling into this but we're just not getting it right. So I think it has to come back to communities, doesn't it? It does. And and the other thing is is not to not is not to have a go at anybody. I didn't know what I do now and others of us who've experienced it do know. We know how they work. And it's quite bizarre but in a in a funny kind of way once you've experienced it, it it's really clear and it's really obvious. Um so things, you know, words like um, gaslighting, it is, it is making somebody believe they're, they're mad. I mean, some even go to the extent of hiding somebody's car keys from them. Um, you know, they, they say things like, no, that never happened. It's all in your head. You're insane. You know, there's, there, are, there are really repeated um, techniques that they use that we just as no people with normal healthy brains sort of like go oh well maybe i didn't do that you know but then it happens again and again and again and you, you it, it distorts reality um but then it comes back you know reality does come back and it's but that part of the support that's in in place is ed, is education it is learning about what's happened to you it's understanding what's what's happened 
Um, and I think it's something we just need to bring domestic abuse into the mainstream in the sense of, um, you know, there's to saying, which is amazing, the idea that there's going to be uh, sort of um, information and training for 16 to 18 year olds. We need to be doing it at age 12, you know, because you have programs and our industry has its own responsibility too. So you have programs like Love Island. So this is a program that, multiple times issues have been raised about treatment of uh, between couples yeah. our, our young people are watching that as a and 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 it's being sold as as entertainment it's not abuse is being sold as entertainment but there are th little things as well so peaky blinders for instance the best show i've watched in like forever um, I mean, just incredible, incredible piece of television. Um, but there was a scene in there where um, there's a sex scene and it involves strangulation. Well, we've now just got the non-fatal strangulation law. But when it's in mainstream television like that, that this is a thing to be normalised, this is a, not only just to be normalised, um, don't get me wrong, I'm not a prude. It's not about that. Um, let me find the right words. Um, there are there are levels expected of our young that are quite extreme in terms of relationship and 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 sex and physicality um, that that were weren't as as broad. Um, and a lot of that is down to the porn that's available. Um, there's always room <laughs> for experimentation and everything else, as long as both people are up for it and all of that kind of thing. Um, but even even um, like asphyxiation during sex causes brain damage. And people just need to know that that's what they're risking. If they still decide yeah. that they want to do it, then that's fine. Um, but also for it not to be expected and for it not to be, which I feel is what's happening to our young now. These kinds of practices are expected of them and it's not fair on them, you know? I think there's a lot of pressure on young people these days because of social media. You know, if we made a mistake many many years ago as teenagers it was dead it was dead and buried but now they these days you know all this all this stuff is it's there forever and i think there's an awful lot of pressure and an awful lot of peer pressure on kids today and again you know like you just said programs like love island which i absolutely detest never never watched it never will but i've read all the commentary around it um it really does not help it really does not help in and and you know for me I'd have it banned tomorrow, you know, because I just don't think it's healthy and it's not teaching our young people the right the right way to go at all, is no. it? No, and it's cheap television. It's cheap to make yeah. and the responsibility lies with production companies, you know. Um, there was an incident, and I have to say, they were absolutely brilliant, Nottingham Playhouse. There was a, a play that um, featured some form of domestic abuse and violence and it affected an audience member who was, it was a comedy, I think, 
something like that. Um, but there was an incident in there and it affected an audience member. Nottingham Playhouse were alerted to this and they've put trigger warnings on. You know, it's right. small things like that. It doesn't need to be enormous, yeah. great gestures. It's it's like you said about the seatbelts. It's it's to be to and it sounds almost insane to say it, but to yeah. not have abuse and violence in relationships as as the norm should become commonplace. You know. <laughs> Uh, and it should be any, but anyway. But that's that's like like we shouldn't even have to think that that there might be a risk of that. But we're actually in the opposite direction completely. Um, yeah. And it's information and education and sharing and being open and asking questions and um, challenging. You don't have to. Yeah challenge you know you don't have to challenge aggressively with people no that's a big one for me it's a real big one that you know that we if you are aware that you do it in a way that you know like say what i said you earlier you know if it's like a friend of yours that you think is you know is is is, is causing you know misery to a, in, in their relationship you know if i became aware of that then i i would certainly have to say something but I do it in a tactful way, you know, to try and get the best out of that individual, to try and get them to see sense. I'm not saying it's easy. Just going to take a break from the podcast to showcase an excellent product from our main sponsor, RHE Global. It's called Reams Community Safety. It covers all your ASB case management needs, plus up-to-date community safety processes and supporting documents. Store all your community safety content in one place, Local edits can also be made so you can customise it for your own organisation. Avoid expensive court costs by ensuring that you have the most up-to-date case law and keynote webinars to support with all the documents. Some of the topics to be covered will be the injunction, closure powers, community trigger, community protection notice, amongst a host of others. To obtain more information, you can contact the team via the website www.reams.org or email sales at rheglobal.com. I hope you're enjoying the Community Safety Podcast. If so, please rate, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. This really helps to spread our message. One of the things I was going to ask you, Sam, talking about the, 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 the perpetrators, mm. um, do you think there's anything we can do from an early intervention point of view to prevent some of these individuals becoming offenders personally and from what i've read no okay um i don't think it's about um it's not about punishment either is but in my i think it's probably pretty useless punishing them um because the way i like the best way I can um, explain it is the way I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a scientist or um, an academic researcher, but the, the best way that I can describe it is if we think of people who engage in this kind of behaviour, which is against everything that we as human beings are, are naturally based on, um, just to keep 
just 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 from pure evolutionary um level you know if 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 this was meant to be if if abuse was meant to be the norm we wouldn't we wouldn't survive as a human species you know um hmm. we just wouldn't so but there are not everybody who's abused as a child becomes an abuser in fact quite often more more often they go completely the other way and will do everything in their power to make sure that never happens to their own kids if they if they have them um so we can look at all of these different things of what might have happened in somebody's childhood or and that works for the for for targets as well because people can sort of like say oh well, you know she's had a rough childhood so that's why she lets it happen to her nobody lets it happen perpetrators know what they're doing they're conscious it's innate in them and there are um as a personality type which is how i think it's easiest to describe um them just as you have somebody who's uh, you would describe as morose and they can't change. That's their personality. That's who they are. Somebody else is outgoing. That's their personality. It's who they are. With abusers and perpetrators, that's the same thing. It's who they are. It's how their mind works. Uh, there may be synapses that didn't join up due to some kind of adverse child experience. Um, but that's that they're not all ted bundys or, or or you know in that in that sense um it's not it's no guarantee but the only people who can change and who can stop themselves from doing it are the perpetrators no amount of love no amount of care no amount of input um i don't think anyway you know not not with the ones that are really way down the line and what you have to remember is you only need one perpetrator and you can have multiple victims yeah. so they're not a massive part of our society but they have an enormous impact on our society and that's part of the i think probably part of the things that they get off on you know it's the power mm. it's the control um and from a coercive control point of view i think it's it's becoming clearer that the physical violence is is actually at the end of the the, the really deep seated element, which is co which is the coercive control. Because nobody comes up and lamps you on a first or second date; you won't go near them again. So they have to brainwashing. It's brainwashing. Like I said, the the chap um, looked at this. If it's you very clever manipulation, isn't it? Very clever it, manipulation. Very clever. Very clever, but until mm. you know what it is that they do, and then you can say, "Oh my goodness!" But it's also it's about unity, and again back to community. So, if I, what I would say to anybody who suspects of something going on, either for themselves or for somebody that they know and love, um, is speak to your local grassroots organisation because. They can give you information around it. And the more we learn 
as a society, the less likely that's going to happen. But the one thing that I will say is these people are serial killers. Just and as profilable as any other serial killer. And they're walking around in plain sight because we think nobody would behave like that. So in terms of your, your question of preventing, you know, can, can they be prevented from becoming them? I honestly can't answer that. And my personal views are probably no. Very likely no. Because um, some of it, it is based in the dark triad psychiatric disorder of um, psych psychopathy and sociopathic um in that in that nature um and it's a lot more common actually than we realize as well and we've all got a little bit of narcissism in us and it's that's natural and it's good and it keeps us alive i think sometimes that's healthy it's just when it gets taken to an extreme that's when it becomes an issue doesn't it's it? when it's everybody everybody likes a bit of self-love and looks after themselves i suppose that's just natural isn't well, it, it is it's what keeps us alive again it's evolutionary it's necessary yeah, absolutely uh, but it's like every single human being that walks this earth will have a vulnerability. They'll have a soft spot. But if you have a partner who use, weaponizes something against you that is your vulnerability, your soft spot, that's a big giveaway. I think if there's anything on a regular basis that happens or is happening to somebody else or, or to you that feels the, the complete opposite of love, then that's a red flag. And talk to talk to people who who know. You can look on, you know, you can look online. There are lots of um, sites as well. Um, one of the things about calling out perpetrators is that it, it can be extremely dangerous for the uh, target. So sometimes i what i would recommend is that people get armed with information before they go in and tackle anything yeah um i think that's really important because they would probably be safe but the the victim and the target won't be because they yeah. don't like being challenged that's another clue oh absolutely um at all you know um so it's that awareness that actually by being and this is this is where it's really difficult for people for, for the community around because it, it's like well what do you do if you do something that might put somebody in danger but if you don't do something they're in danger that's where the joining up the educating the finding out information the going to to these organizations that are there that do not get any funding by the way you know they are phenomenal people very often volunteers, or most of them are, and um, very often they've survived it, they've experienced it, and that's what this is how they're, they're, they're doing, want to do their bit so that it doesn't happen to anybody else. And they are the source of all of your information. So, yes, stand up to it, and yes, call it out, but an awareness around doing that at the same time um i personally would 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 recommend yeah and it's certainly not just as simple as giving advice to say to people you know like you mentioned earlier sam you know i'll just leave we all know 
I'd seen that. I've seen this with police officers in the past. You know, oh, I'll well, just leave him or just leave her, and it's really just not that simple, is it? You know, it's just not that easy. It's very complex, and like you say, finances are involved. Um, I believe with your own particular predicament, you know, you you were sort of, I think you were homeless for a time, weren't you? Yes, I was homeless for a time, actually. Um, and this is the thing, we don't, you know, people don't make themselves deliberately homeless. Nobody does, nobody in their right mind would. Um, so, you know, when, we, when, when everybody uh, runs to um, refuges, that's not through choice, you know. And I think also from the um, economic and financial abuse uh, point of view, you know, the idea that it's not that somebody's not giving you the lifestyle you want or uh, the amount of money that you want or whatever. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's 50p or 500 quid or 500,000. It's when you can only spend it in a way that somebody else is absolutely dictating. And it's if there are repercussions if you spend it in a way that they don't approve yeah. of economic and, and financial abuse is a, is a route. Once you control somebody, if you think about it, once you control somebody's money, you control everything in their lives. You control their comfort. Mm -hmm. You control their clothes. You can control whether they have a wash or not in, in clean water. You can control the food they eat. If they eat, you know, we are money. Money is our source of all of those things. Um, you can control whether somebody can go and see family and get comfort and um, have a laugh and be sociable. You know, yeah, because there's that there's that massive isolation, isn't there? Yeah. You know, from friend, as you've already said, from family. That um, I've come across that a lot before, where you said, you know, where they'll really heavily criticise the parents. Um, and, and they isolate you from the parents and also all your good friends, and they'll start to say things like, you know, your friends are no good for you and pick up all on all their faults, and then they start, I presume, they start to make you feel as if that person isn't good for you. And, of course, then I presume, from what I've seen in my police career, that then you just become very, very isolated and you are effectively just under their complete control. Yeah, but there's also things like, you know, somebody will say, oh, you don't it's really really hurts but you don't trust me i'm really hurt they play the vic they are always 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 the victim always yeah um but in terms of in terms of leaving the other thing is and i hate to say it um but when we leave and as we've had from 2015 so we've had the law in 2015 uh, it's been amended now in 2021 and still there's half the police forces in, and CPS and judges. So even if you landed with a fantastic uh, police for, service, then you've got to get to CPS. And if CPS don't understand it, they might not charge. And then you might it might be fantastic all the way through and then you get to a judge who doesn't understand it and goes, oh, well, he just really loves you. So I'm not going to give him a sentence. Now, it's known that the most dangerous time 
actually is when we leave. That's when the abuse of will course. really, really the ramp up because they're losing control. Once you start to realise everything comes back to being in control, having power um, over somebody else, they believe they, they have ownership of other human beings. Um, so when you start to realise that, that it's about ownership, it's about control, um, and mm. it feeds them in that in that sense... Um, certainly when they're on this psychopathic, sociopathic level. Um, we are asking people to, to leave. And what are they leaving to? To, yeah. They're leaving to, you know, if you, you, you go to the police and your case is NFA'd. That, what that then does, sorry, that's... Um, no, you know, no further action, which doesn't... No further action, yeah. yeah. which doesn't mean that, a, you know, that doesn't mean a crime hasn't been committed. We don't realise that, you know. It means that they've just not quite got the evidence in the right way round that they need to be able to charge. But it's been investigated by a police force or a, a, an officer in charge who hasn't had input on the law of the case crime that he's investigating. So everybody's in a no-win situation at the moment, and we really, really need to change that. Some of it takes time, which it, it can only take time because we need every force, every frontliner, understanding what these behaviours actually present and look like, and that's where the safe lives and, and, and a lot of other people's training uh, comes in and it's fantastic um but there are little things that we can do right now and that is the isolation makes you feel like you're very alone that you're stupid you're weak um because you're told that you know you're irrelevant you're all of these things um Just go on a forum. Just go on a forum. Go reach out to your local grassroots because once you realise that it actually isn't you, just you, <laughs> like they say, yeah. you know, the only reason that they're doing this is because you do A, B, C and D. Yeah. Is So that's victim blaming, um, which is also another absolute classic. That's what they do. Um it, 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 these, it, you start to be able to breathe again and go, well, how can my, how, how, can, how can I be reading or talking to somebody who's describing my relationship and they've never even met the person I went out with? So what, then you realise it's this other thing and it is abuse and it is real and no, they might not have hit you. They don't need to hit you. Most of the victim, yeah, most of the targets, shall we say, um, that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to many, they will always say that that coercive control and, you know, the, like you said, the, 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 the language that's used is, is far more powerful than being hit. You know, the physical abuse, they're not, it's not pleasant, obviously, but it's that constant drip, 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 that is the thing that really drives them to 
absolute despair. Mm. Absolutely. Would, would you and, say that's about right? And, and, and for us as a society to understand that psychological assault is as damaging, if not more so. That's what CPTSD <sighs> is about. You know, We actually yeah. already have psychological assault, which has got a 15-year... Um, if I'm right, it's got a 15-year um, prison Sentences. sentence attached to yeah. it. That's already in ABH and GBH law. We've had it for years. You know, I I actually did we did have a an incident years ago um, when we still just used landlines, um, and <laughs> the law was first. You might be able to help me with this. It was must have been around the nineties. The law was first brought in about silent phone calls. Yes, making silent phone calls, and that's actually I think ABH. And so when you put it in perspective that any of these perpetrators that do this to these people time and to, to, to targets time and time again, and their children, by the way, children are included now in the um, domestic abuse law. They were yeah, they certainly are. always just seen as witnesses, but it's been recognised that they're not. They're imbued in it head to foot. And that about time, mm. I would say. Um, where was I? Um, about the the... It took all it took was three would take three silent phone calls and they'd be sent to prison. And that's law and that happened. You know, when it happened to, to me, me and my flatmate, um it was uh we were doing karate at the time and we decided to stop doing it. And uh, we started getting these silent phone calls and they were terrifying. They were absolutely terrifying. Um, just because you don't know where they're coming from, who they are. Um, and our local London bobbies came, they tapped the phone. There had to be three three times to prove it wasn't a mistake. Um, and it was it was the karate teacher trying to scare us into going back. Now that, is coercive control. Yeah. But if I'd been in a relationship or my flatmate had been in a relationship with him, then it would just be like, oh, he's just trying to get you back because he loves you. That doesn't matter whether there's, there's, there is no love in these relationships at all. There just is no love. It's not love from day one. Um, same as with any scammers. All of these scammers and people say, oh, I don't know how I got caught out. You got, got caught out because we don't know. And we don't like to think that there are sections of our society who do this. It's a bit like with paedophiles. It's the same thing. And, but, you know, paedophiles do the same thing. They love bomb. They gaslight they do they do all of that they change it's 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 all in the same sort of ballpark you know when you shine the bigger light on it it's easier to understand um you know pedophiles think that they, they absolutely love their targets and their victims so it's up to us as a society to say what love do we is actually acceptable and that isn't going to love should not hurt it should not and hurt. then again sam you know 
I'm not going to make any excuses for saying this, but you know, there is a stigma around paedophilia. There is a stigma, but you know, we need that stigma with domestic You're abuse as well. Absolutely, exactly the same. Yes. And I think it, the sooner that happens, the better. You know, and don't get me wrong. You know, horrific crimes against children. You know, it's it's deplorable, but but isn't isn't it? You know, when you've suffered that drip 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 sort of psychological abuse over a number of months and years you know, there, there must be a stigma to that kind of targeted offender they has to, you know I mean? absolutely and I, yeah and i completely agree and with you and I, th the better, I think that's yeah. um that's 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 how we get there i, I don't, don't know, know but, I but i think one of the things keep, is we, like with yourself and which is fantastic yeah. um and why i'm just need to keep having the conversation yeah you know, and keep getting it out there. I mean, I was just going to come on to that, that it's really great that somebody like you in the public eye is obviously sort of bringing awareness around it. And I know one of the people that you've you've sort of collaborated with as well, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, Sharon Baker, the Chief Inspector from Avon and Somerset. I think, again, it's really good that Sharon has come out as a Chief Inspector, as a high-ranking you know a high -ranking officer, and, you know, told her story to a point as well. So I think... The more of these conversations and the more awareness we can put out there, you know, the, the more I think we're going to start getting a bit more traction and we can start making, you know, those little steps forward. Even if we save one life, say from this podcast, you know what we're doing our job, I feel. No, completely. And there are all sorts of things that, that are happening. There's a 16 days of activism in, in London at the end of this year. Um and that's a worldwide because that's the thing. It's it's worldwide. It is the same the world oh, over. Massive, yeah, of course it is. And the patterning is the same the world over. The predictability is the same the world over. It's not even cultural, you know. It, this no. is and once once that starts being talked about, and you know, it's in my industry. That's what the Me Too movement was about. You know, the um, who knows? I may never work again, but. Like you say, if it saves one one just one life, then you you've done your job. And and there isn't anything for uh, anybody who's targeted to be ashamed about or feel guilty about. No. All of that is lies at the perpetrator's door. Nobody else's. Yeah. Um. I mean, hopefully the um the Safe Lives Sick Festival and Ali Crew I Am project, um, which um I was honoured to be a part of up in Manchester with um, uh, the Duchess of Cornwall opening it. Hopefully that might is 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 hopefully coming to the 16 days of activism, which is, again, the theme is ending femicide. Um, and hopefully that'll come too. Um, but also I have my, um, I was very, very honoured to uh, have voiced um a feature docudrama called Love with Figgis West, um, which is for worldwide release. It's uh, but hopefully there'll there'll be a screening of that um, in the sixteen oh, days brilliant. of activism as well. And the whole point of all of this is to sort of go a little bit outside the box. Um, and the arts are very good. It's a very good tool to educate. So there are people yeah. who are doing plays in school. Or you know, um, for youngsters, um, you know, because the other thing that people don't get, and I know this sounds a bit thing, 
But eventually you get to the point where you look at some of the things that they do, not the, you know, not all of it, obviously. But there are some point where you get to the point where there's a ridiculousness about it. And some of it can be quite funny in the sense of like, how did they ever think that they'd get away with it? You know, some of the smaller stuff. Mm. Um, And the other thing to remember is that it's not always rubbish all the time. You know, they're very good at like just knowing you know, there's cycles of it. When you're it. about to tip, 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 tip yeah. you over and know yeah. to pull back. Yeah, and there, there yeah. is actually a, a thing called the cycle of a cycle of abuse, where, um, you know, there, there's there's love bombing, there's calm, and then there's the build up to the explosion. And this is the thing that people don't always understand from a, a target's point of view. So I don't know. Me and you grew up where it was still, you know, it's still the norm to you know give somebody a smack um but like i can i can remember you know we all said it as children i think you know it was like oh i just want my punishment whether whatever it was you know the waiting for the punishment was the was the was the crucial that that was the bit that crucified you you know it's like i just want to know what i'm going to have to do i remember i remember i remember waiting to get the cane it was worse than actually having the cane you know when he got he got the cane out and he was about to give me a whack. That was the worst Precisely. Bit. <laughs> so if you imagine living with yeah. that every minute of every day. Yeah. And sometimes crazy. what happens is because it goes in a cycle, and this is a really interesting thing to know for, for people to understand of like, oh, why can it look like it's mutual abuse or it's just a toxic relationship? Sometimes what, what can happen is a target will instigate something that it's building, it's building, it's building. They know it's coming. So they'll just, they'll do something to, to so that it gets it over quicker because then you get into the calm phase. I mean, that's getting sort of like quite deep in, in, into it. Yeah. And, and there's a broader conversation needs to be had around that uh, stop victim blaming, blaming again. Um, but it's, it's, it's all over you've got you've got people who another classic especially like when the police turn up is that the perpetrator is the calm one so i'm just kind of trying to calm them down just you know i'm really sorry this that and the other and they've wound up they've, they've actually triggered the target into such a state that they look like they're complete lunatics so the police do have a difficult job but once you see it, once you know it, and once you understand it, um, I've been there, Sam. I've seen it many, many times, and I know exactly what you mean. It's hard to describe how how predictable it is, isn't it? Takes it takes a lot of experience to then start to understand and unravel it. And I, I, I've said this to many people. It's well documented on the podcast. I was, I joined the police in '95. I was ashamed how we used to deal with domestic abuse when I first joined the police. It was appalling. We did get a lot, lot better at it. And I think, you know, you started to get the right training, read the signs better and make those better decisions. But it took time. You know, it took, it takes a lot of time and it takes, it takes you as an officer to want to do that. Do you know what I mean? To, to give a damn and to make the right decisions based on what you're seeing and what evidence is in front of you. Um, but I'm, unfortunately, not everybody 
wants to do that. Mm. And, I, and I'm going to be totally honest there. And, you know, you're one of the good guys, Jim, and that's absolutely fantastic. But also you, as you know, or certainly I would, what you as an officer needed was the rest of the criminal justice system support to back, to back you up, yeah. to be able to charge. Absolutely. Because every time they get away with it, they're emboldened. I've seen it. You're absolutely right. I've seen it so many times. So, you know, the more we can all talk, so the police do do need, they do need, but like I said, you know, I'm not, I don't think we can just look to the police all the time. Not at all. This know. is a big, big issue and it's not just down to the police. It's a societal issue. It's a societal it issue, really and it comes coming back to that. On, yeah, it does. Every yeah. time it comes back to that, it comes down to government. It comes down to yeah. to grassroots organisations, and it comes down to us as individuals, as men, and 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 yeah. as women, and um, as families, as 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 partners, as you know, it's 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 a societal issue and it's a yeah. worldwide societal issue i mean i'd be really really interested to know if there's any other law we have where it's taken seven years for the criminal justice system and the police to have training actual yeah, training in that law it's frightening it really is frightening um we're coming towards the end, Ooh, believe it no. or not. We have been, do you know what? We've been going, right? You won't believe this. An hour and 16 minutes <gasps> as, at this point. Oh, Jib, I just... We're a right, we're a right couple of gas we bags, are. aren't we? We are. <laughs> I've loved it. Um, good, good. Uh, one of the things I will say at the end of my podcast, um, before we finalise everything, is... Is there anything else you want to cover that we maybe haven't covered? Anything like that we haven't, you know, I haven't asked you that you wanted to bring in before we wrap up? I mean, I think we have covered an awful lot of things, but I think, um, I think if there's anybody out there that's listening, just for them to know that it's not them, and it is real. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have to hit you. And for yeah, anybody who has somebody who comes to them, for them to just just think that same thing. Yeah, you know, it's, I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, it's not great it's not a badge of honour being uh, being a victim of domestic abuse. No, it's not. No, it's you not. Know? And I think I think I think the advice you gave earlier on in the interview as well, Sam, is about those grassroots organisations. I, I do a lot of work with the uh, National Centre for Domestic Abuse. A good friend of mine, Sharon Bryan, who's actually been on this, I've been on this 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 podcast. Um, she suffered years and years of uh, of domestic abuse. Uh, you know, very similar sort of stories to yourself and and other and other targeted people. Um, but they do great work as well, and they will help um, help people um, to get you know uh, injunctions and non molestation orders pro bono. So again. You know, there, there's some great organisations out there that will help yeah. in a big and way. And if anybody wants, they think, well, what what can I do? Ring up your local grassroots organisation and say, what can I do to help? Can I go around raising money? They don't get funding. They get hardly... And, yeah. and 
so anything you know like if you want to have a bake sale for them and raise a bit of money for them or just you know yeah. can you volunteer so that's if if you were going to do something to help um sam how can people reach out to you on social media to get in contact um well twitter um i'm on twitter um sam dash beckinsale i think yeah, that's the right one. But I don't have a blue tick because I don't have a website yet. <laughs> ah, right. So, uh, so yes, I don't go looking for the blue tick. I might do it at some point, but I haven't got one yet. Okay. Um, wow. And um, so from a from a um, sort of anybody who's working in the DV world or, or you know, outside of it, uh, one of the other um, social media platforms i really like is linkedin yes um because i think it's really really good at joining up um you know sort of connecting connecting people oh it's my favorite i'll be honest it's my favorite platform i love it i mean i've made so many not just contacts you know friends people Mm. that become friends you know that you know nat uh someone that we both know um become very very good friends you know and i've never even met nat but we talk regular and you know, we, we, she's connected me with, you know, a lot of people, including your good self. So yeah, I think LinkedIn's brilliant. So I'm a, I'm a massive advocate. Yeah. Um, you wanted to end the interview with, um, a, a final kind of piece really. So I just wanted to push it over to you really. Thank you, darling. Yeah. I, mean, I think the thing is what the biggest thing that I would say to anybody, um, who's wondering whether, oh, is it abuse? Is it just toxic? Are they as bad as each other? Um, is actually just to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and ask yourself if what someone is doing or saying or um, how they're acting, especially repeatedly, if it's not acceptable in any other context then it's not acceptable in relationship either. The fact that you're in a relationship together, any relationship, doesn't excuse abuse. Abuse is abuse. And love doesn't come into it in any way, shape or form. So if you ask yourself, is that love? You'll you'll have your answer. It's like, if you say took a situation at work, say an office type situation, if say somebody um, was threatening to you at work and was you know you know being quite nasty to you, you wouldn't accept that, I don't think. No, in and, a lot of cases, and that's the point you're making, isn't it? Yes, it doesn't matter. I think we get very caught up on the idea that this is domestic somehow, and that is in inverted commas. Um, domestic only means in the sense of like it happens in the four walls of the home. Yeah, it's become a synonym for it's okay because it's in the four walls of a home and it's not got it totally get it i think that's a really poignant bit to end the the interview on sam sam i can't thank you enough for taking the time out to speak to me i think it's been a really really enlightening interview i think you've brought out some really salient points and, and more importantly given some really sound advice and as we said at an earlier point in the interview if we save one life and what we're doing here today and using your experience you know what we're doing the right thing and we're, we're you know we're um we're using this platform for the right reasons aren't we i think we are and, and thank you very much for having me on 
Um, oh, you're welcome. But it's been uh, it's been great, and uh, even even my little pooch who interrupted us, um, I yeah, think has, has like, quite enjoyed it'll, it'll it. Be as cut well. out, and, it'll, be, uh, yeah. it'll be cut out, but Sam's dog gave us a yeah, Sam's dog gave us a, gr- a nice little tune halfway through the interview. But uh, we we were just discussing it, and we are going to cut it out. But it was uh, it was quite amusing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Look, thanks, Sam, and no, um, thank you, and thank you for all the work that you do as well. Oh, it's, thank you, um, I really You know, we are that. a community, and we are. The more we pull together, the more we can end things like this. Absolutely, and please keep in touch. You know, because I think we can do some good work together in the future as well. And anything I can support you with, then please let me know. And vice versa. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you Jim. very much. Thank you for listening to the Community Safety Podcast. We really do appreciate your support. Please spread your, our message and share this podcast with your friends, family and colleagues, and we'll catch you on the next episode. So privileged to have Samantha Beckinsale as a guest on the Community Safety Podcast and to share her experiences as a target of domestic abuse. She gave some really good insights and also some fantastic advice around how to get support when needed. Thank you again for listening to the Community Safety Podcast. We really do appreciate your support. Please tell a friend or a colleague and we will catch you on the next episode. Alongside support from St Ives Chambers, RHE Global and Barden Co-Recruitment in partnership with District 4, you have been listening to the Community Safety Podcast with Jim Nixon.